Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. I think we're all still not sure what a humdinger is, but... <laughs> oh, so I'm just going to go ahead and start out in prayer because that's a good place to start, right? So, Father God, I just thank you for today, and I thank you for the opportunity that I have to come up and present your word, Father. And I just pray that the things that you've spoken, Lord God, that would penetrate our hearts and our minds, Father, that would impact us, and that in turn it would impact the world around us, Father. I pray that through everything that we do, Lord God, that you would be glorified and that your name would be made high in everything that we do in your holy and awesome name we pray. Amen. So, what I wanted to speak on today was returning to our first love. And this one was one of those things that I think everybody up here has said it. God has to deal with us. And it's a message that God spoke to me first. And there are times in our lives, and we, you know, we like to spiritualize it, is we'll say it's a dry season. We'll say, it, oh, we're, we're going through a season where you know, we don't seem to have that same kind of passion and enthusiasm for God. And I can say that I've been in one of those. And it's not the first time, but... There's a correction there that needs to happen. There's a correction in our lives that whenever we begin to lose that passion, we begin to lose that zeal that we should have for our Father who loves us and cares for us and looks out for us. When we begin to lose that, there needs to be a correction. And so this was that correction for me. And so I wanted to share it because I believe that if, something that's, if it's something I'm going through, it's something that I have to deal with, and it can also be something that you can learn from, that we can prevent and set up guardrails and things in our lives that help us maintain that so that we don't get to that point because we don't want to spiritualize falling out of love with our Father. We don't want to spiritualize that, that missing part of our lives because how many know you've seen churches, you've seen people who you knew were on fire for God and loved God with all their hearts and all their minds and were giving everything to him. And then a decade later, you see them just completely given over to the enemy. How many of you have seen people like that? I know people that I you know, used to do ministry with and worship with and just were so on fire for God and you couldn't shut them up about Jesus. And it was amazing. And now they're you know, atheists, they don't want to have anything to do with God. They're actively opposing him. Something happened. Something happened, and we haven't set up those guardrails in our lives, and we haven't set these things up to be able to prevent that from happening. And we haven't surrounded ourselves with people who are going to do that, help us do that as well, right? So one of the things that really helps me out is I've got a good friend of mine that we've been friends for a long time since middle school. And every now and again, he'll say, hey, Nate, where you at? How you doing? And that helps me. That drives me. That helps me to put things back in the proper context. And one of the things that I know that I've preached on before and spoken about is the book of Ephesians. And so in the book of Ephesians, we see the, the marriage between a man and a woman, that's the example that God sets up between the relationship that we should have as a church and with Him. And so this is going to come into play later on because that's a great example for us to understand the dynamics of what that's supposed to look like. 
But what I'm going to start out is in Revelation. In chapter 2, God's calling out his church, and he does this in a series, to a series of churches, but this one really spoke to me. And so this is to the church of Ephesus, which is the book of Ephesians. It's another letter to them. And he says this, and this is God speaking to the church. He says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. And when he says that, what's, what he's saying is that this is the, to the people who are in authority. So this is to the leadership, to the body, to the group of people who are in charge of the church of Ephesus. He said, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. And here we see God saying, I have placed you. He's talking to the churches. So this is, he's saying, I have set you apart. You, I've set a lampstand. You as a light to the world around you. And I'm walking through you. I'm ministering to my churches. I'm ministering and I'm moving through these things. I have dominion and authority over your church. I have dominion and authority and I'm using you to light the world around you. And he's also telling us that he has authority over us. And that he's wanting to do something. And he's telling us that I want what's best for you. He says, I know your deeds and your labor and perseverance. And that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have put those who put, call themselves apostles to the test. And they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. What you think about that? This is the voice of God speaking to the church, saying, I know what you've done. I know that you have put your hands to work for my name, for my kingdom. I know that what you've done, you've been faithful in that. You've continued to work. You've continued to labor. I know what you're doing. And this is not, you know, I know what you say you do. I know what you put on the bulletin board. I know what you post on your Facebook page. This is God saying, I know what's in your heart. I know that you care for my kingdom. I know that you care for the work that I have called you to do on this earth. So it's not just a, I kind of know what you're saying. It's I know you and I know that your heart is in the right place. It says, I know you cannot tolerate evil people. How many of you know that sometimes you allow evil in your midst? There are churches that allow things in their midst that should not be there. There are churches that say, you know what, you can have, you know, the relationship that you want. You can have a position of authority and still living in sin. And we're going to okay that because you have a certain amount of blessing. You have a certain amount of talent and we're going to overlook those things because we want the world to see the, the talent that we have in our church. There are places and there are people that are willing to overlook those and willing to tolerate sin. And God's saying, I see that, and you are not one of those. You have not tolerated sin in your midst. You have put those who call themselves apostles to the test, and they are not, and you have found them to be false. How many of you know that we see churches that are, that are filled up with teachings that are wrong, that, are, that distract, that start looking at all kinds of things and are starting to take away the glory of God and starting to add to the glory of the enemy? There are churches that elevate 
what Satan is doing and what the enemy has done over what the works of God are. And instead of doing that, he's saying, you have kept the first things first. You haven't allowed yourselves to be brought about by the teachings that, that glorify the flesh. That you, know, you see these churches that teach the prosperity and all the ministers are making lots of money and everybody's tithing all they can because that's what God's calling us to do because you're supposed to be wealthy, but to be wealthy, you've got to give everything to the guy who's preaching up front. Now this week, I'm not opposed to that, but <laughs> that's not the way the ministry's supposed to work. That's not the way we're supposed to behave. It's not supposed to be something that glorifies our flesh and glorifies the, 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 the church as a building or glorifies our, the name of our ministry in the community. It's about glorifying the name of God wherever we go. You have perseverance and have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. You see churches that are beaten down, that have given up because it's hard. It's not easy to minister day in and day out. It's not easy to be, be available to people all the time. It's not easy to try to reject those things that the world tells you that you need to adopt. It's not easy to look different in the face of all the community and all the other things going on in the world because you stand out. You look different. This church is not one that looks like everything else. It doesn't look like the world. This is, looks like what God intended. And so God is saying to the church, well done, you are doing great. You are doing wonderful in all these things. This is amazing. This is great. And if I'm, you know, if I'm looking at this, I'm going, yes, yes, God, thank you. But how many of you know when the boss calls you into the room and says, hey, all these things you're doing great, there's a but coming. There's something there that's going to say, you know what? You have come to this point. This is great. You're doing well in all of these areas, but here's something you really need to work on. And so there's a but here. It says, I, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And that's hard to hear. That's hard to hear as, you know, somebody who follows Christ. And this is God calling me out and saying, you've missed something, you've lost something. And I start to think back, what have I missed out on? What was that first love? It was the time I spent as a young man in prayer and in worship and just seeking after God. And those times, they, they don't... Those are times that changed me. Those are times that made me who I was. Those were places of intimacy with God in places that I want and longed to get back to. Continues, therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deed you did at first. And when he started talking about from where you have fallen, I started to go back. What were the things that I used to do? What were the things that I used to put my heart and my soul into that brought me close to him? What were those things that I loved to be a part of that changed me, that moved me, that caused me to long for him? And I remember back to 
The times where I would just, we'd be in a room with a CD on. It wasn't anything special. It wasn't anything miraculous. It wasn't some amazing band up on the stage. It was a bunch of people in a fellowship hall worshiping. And times like that were what changed me, what shaped me, what molded me. It was because I was allowed myself to push in and seek him. Because there's nothing wrong with the worship. There's nothing wrong with the atmosphere. There's nothing wrong with the place. What was wrong was with my heart and my, my desire for him. It wasn't there. But what I realized is I have to push in. It's not enough to just show up. It's not enough to just be present. It's not enough to just stand here. And I know that there are times where I've had in the past where I've encountered God, and it wasn't enough to just show up to a church because I was sitting in the parking lot. It wasn't enough to just be invited inside because I went and sat in the back. And it wasn't enough to just go get closer to the front and kind of be near the action. It was when I said, God, I want to hear your voice. When I asked someone to say, hey, look, I need prayer. I need you to pray for me. I need the elders of the church to wrap their arms around me and lift me up in prayer. And those were the moments where God impacted me the most, where my life was transformed, where I had an encounter, an intimacy with God that I long to get back to, that I long for and want, again, to never miss out on that again. So worship is one of those things for me. And so what did I do? I started worshiping and not just you know, putting the radio on in the car, which is amazing sometimes, and God will touch you there too, but I started to actually intentionally worship in a way I haven't done in a long time. And that renewed something within me, that stirred that passion up again. Because it's not enough to just show up. It's not enough to just be faithful in the works and the deeds. It's, it's a matter of having that relationship restored. Another thing that I used to do as a young man is I would go and I would go into the woods or I, one place where we went on vacation. I loved to just walk and it was like a little over a mile and I would just walk in the nature and what God created and I had an opportunity to just encounter him in his creation. I saw the beauty, I saw the wonder and I saw his creation and I was able to be intimate with him in those moments. And so because I need to return to those things that I did at first, those things that brought me into relationship and into a passion for God. So what did I do? I went out, I went into some woods, and I started praying, and I started worshiping. I didn't bring my phone, I didn't put some music on, I didn't bring any distractions. It was about my time with Him. And so that's what I did. That was what brought me, what brings me back to a place of intimacy and a place of zeal for God. And so uh, if we go back to Ephesians and look at this as the story of a bride, a husband and a wife, the church, God and the church, we, we see that relationship. My relationship with my wife doesn't look the same as it did back then. It doesn't look the way it started out. And there's nothing wrong with growing and developing, but you've seen couples when they first come, become in love and the passion that they have for one another and the, the love that they have for one another and there's something wonderful there to see, something pure and something holy and something amazing. 
but that's also something that still needs to grow and to develop. And so if you look at an older couple, a couple who's you know, a lot grayer, been around for a lot longer, you can see those couples that love one another and still passionately care for one another and still have that relationship with one another that's amazing and wonderful. And everyone around them loves to see that. They love to hear them tell each other that they love each other. And then you also see the couples that are still together because they've, they don't know anything else. They don't have anywhere else to go. And so what do we want to look like? What do we want to, what should our goal be as a body? What should I, my goal be as a person is to have that relationship that looks like it's been tempered by time and tested and tested again. I have that relationship with God that now has been matured to the point where I still have a love and a passion and a zeal for him. But it's tempered by the fact that I know what he has done. It's brought about, you see the, the wonderful things that God does in the life and in the ministry that you have, where you see people healed. You see lives changed and transformed. You see the good that happens from a life that's committed and given to him completely. And so it continues on. It says, or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But you have this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant him to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. And there are churches that have lost that zeal, and eventually they lose that lampstand. They are no longer a light. They're another man-made organization with the infighting and the backbiting and the power dynamics that have to go on because you no longer serve God. The, the most important thing in your life is no longer the presence of God and the relationship that we have with him, but now it's because about where I stand in relation to you and what everyone thinks of me because of the position that I have. We don't want to become a church like that where that is removed from us. We don't, I don't want to get to a place where I don't have that relationship and that zeal with God. And I don't want to be one of those people that I've seen fall away or become cold and calloused. It says, you hate the dig, the deeds, neglations, the, the people who have gone out and you know, there's no real consensus on this, but the people, the, the idea is generally that you have people who have allowed sin to take place. You have allowed people who have allowed the world to affect them and change them. And so you, you've, you've still done that as a church. We've still done that as a body. And I can say that I've still done that as a person. I'm not completely given over to the world, but I've lost, I had lost some of that zeal. I had lost some of that passion. It says to the one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And this is a promise of God that we will receive the reward for the passion and the, the, the continued work after him, the continued pursuit of him. He's going to reward us as we continue to search after him and look after him. And I love the fact that we never have just one example of somebody losing passion. We never have one example in the Bible of, of one, any given thing. There's always somewhere else that we can find it. And so I wanted to look in Psalm 51, and here we have David. He's a man after God's own heart. But he's a guy who became distracted. 
He's a guy who when the people went off to, when the kings who went off to war, he decided to stay home. And the people that were around him that made sure to give him good counsel, the people who were around him who kept him remembering what the most important thing in his life was, those people were probably some of those people that went off to war. His friends, his confidants, the people who cared about him. And so he's now home without all of that. He's without the people who are normally there. And he fails. He messes up and now he's got blood on his hands. And this is his prayer. So in Psalm 51.10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain with me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so that's my prayer for myself. That I would always remember the passion and the zeal of my youth that I would return to those things that draw me to God and that I would begin to set up those guardrails and those things that keep me in that place. I would begin to set up the, make sure I have people around me, surround myself with those who are passionate about him and draw my passion to him once again. And so I know that God does this in my heart and he's restoring that to me. And I believe that for us as a church, we should also be, be mindful of that, that we do not fall away from that passion. We don't fall away from that, that desire that we should have for God and that we, God has for us. Because nothing comes without him having given it to us first, right? He's passionate about us. He loves us. And when we're out here in worship and I just feel the sweet presence of God and the innocence and the love that he has for us, there's no other response I can have but say, yes, God. I'm willing to respond. I will do what you say. I will follow you. And that passion begins to be renewed. That zeal is renewed in my life. And all I want to do is to praise him and worship him and look out for him and try to do what he longs for us to do. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to close this out. We're going to go talk to our tables. And I want us to try to remember that these things, we're, we're called to a community. We're called to love one another and be those guide rails for one another and enjoy the fact that we have a community like this that cares so much for one another that you're willing to sit down and talk. You're willing to engage. You're willing to be open and share and you're willing to pray and love on one another, right? We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week and may God bless you and your family.